0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Call, and I hope you're having a good week. Hey, don't forget to check out the website, HowGoodItIs.com, where you can find some stuff that I found interesting and some other stuff that doesn't necessarily fit well into the podcast. Also, go follow and like the show's Facebook page, which will have some other stuff that will keep you busy. You can find that over at Facebook.com slash... Wow, man, how good it is, Pod. Third, this show is ranked third among the featured podcasts in the Podcast Republic app. I don't know what I'm doing right, but I hope I can keep it up. Or maybe it's you guys doing something right, and you should keep it up. What I do know is that Podcast Republic absolutely does podcasting right, and you should go get it at the Google Play Store or through the link on my page. I have a trivia question for you this week. There was a song from uh, 1968 that was a pretty big hit. It spent three weeks in the number two slot on the Billboard Hot 100, but the artist who is credited on the record doesn't perform on it at all. In fact, he has no real connection to it as far as writing or producing or arranging, and he wasn't even in the studio when it was recorded. Who was the artist and what was the song? I'll hand the answer to that one at the end of the show. Surfing is the only life, the only way for me. Now surf, surf. did did, I love that servant scat? The Beach Boys, they released their first single at the end of 1961, and it wasn't until that record came out that they learned that that's what their name was. Before that, they were known as the Pendletones, and in September of 1961, they recorded a demo version of Surfing. A couple of weeks later they made a better recording with a more professional sound to it. That recording was brought to Candix Records where producer Herb Newman listened to it and signed the group. The folks at Candix didn't like the name Pendletones though and they suggested calling them The Surfers. Well, it turned out there was already a band with that name. According to James B. Murphy's book about the band, it was a promoter from Candic's sister label Era Records named Russ Morgan, who came up with the name The Beach Boys. The thing is, nobody told the Pendletones, so the band had an interesting Christmas present under the tree when the record came out and they saw they'd been renamed. Surfin' was a regional hit on the West Coast, and it reached number 75 on the Billboard Hot 100. According to uh, Scott Schinders' chapter on the Beach Boys in his Legends of Rock book, the single was popular enough that the number of orders that weren't even paid for wound up bankrupting the label. It took a few months, but the Beach Boys wound up on Capitol Records with a seven-year contract. The band was very prolific in those early years, but by 1964, Brian Wilson was starting to burn out. And he wanted to move away from the surf sound, even though they'd already sounded different for most surf fans. But he wanted to move away from that altogether. So Glenn Campbell took over him during, for him during the tours, and Wilson stayed behind in the studio, taking notes from Phil Spector's style and working on making stuff sound bigger and deeper. Now it should be noted that the Beach Boys albums consisted of nearly all original compositions from the get-go. Whereas other bands, including the Beatles, started off with a lot of covers in their catalog because that's what they were playing in the clubs, and so that's the stuff they knew well. So it's especially extraordinary that by 1965, just a couple of years after their first release, they were already up to nine albums. In fact, the album of theirs that had more covers than any other was their Christmas album of 1964. And even that one was only half filled with non-original tunes. And the only hit that came off of that was the original, The Man With All The Toys. By the middle of 1965, Brian Wilson was already thinking about a new project, which ultimately became the Pet Sounds album. But Capitol Records was thinking about the success of. That Christmas album, and they wanted them to do something in time for the holiday season. So rather than create another holiday album, they decided to put together something that reflected a certain holiday spirit of togetherness and generally having fun with your friends. The album was released under the title of Beach Boys Party, with an exclamation point at the end there. In fact, if you look at the album cover, and I'll have it at the website, you'll see that the entire album reads as Recorded Live at a Beach Boys Party, with the word live in quotation marks. Well, that's because while the album sounds like a continuous, spontaneous get-together of the boys entertaining themselves, the fact is that every track was pretty carefully planned and recorded individually, with party sounds and chatter added in later to help stitch the pieces together. Now, regardless of the artifice of the party and a few bits that come off a little corny nowadays, it's still a fun recording, especially if you listen to tracks like this one, where they have a little fun at their own expense. But as with the previous year's Christmas album, there was only one single that came off it, and that was Barbara Ann. But before I get a little bit too deeply into that, let me turn back the clock just a little bit. Barbara Ann was written by Fred Fassert back in 1958 for the band that he was in at the time, a group called the Regents. Now, one of the questions that I hear a lot is, who was Barbara Ann? Well, unfortunately, there's no big story behind that one. Barbara Ann is Fred's sister. Anyway, the Regents couldn't get the song released and eventually they broke up. It wasn't until 1961 that someone found the recording and released it in the New York metro area where it became a local hit. It was then leased to the G Records label, which released it nationwide, and it went to number 13 on the Billboard chart. Incidentally, if you look at the record labels, the Regents version has a hyphen between Barbara and Ann, whereas the Beach Boys version doesn't. I have no information on whether Barbara Ann Fassett has a hyphen in her name. I also dig that saxophone there. Anyway, back to the Beach Boys. The uh, party album was entirely covers, and there's a lot of good stuff on there. In fact, nowadays, there's a remastered version with stereo mixes and even an addition with uh, alternate takes and some tracks that didn't make it to the original album. If you're a Beach Boys completist, you'll dig it. If not, you'll kind of get why those tracks didn't make the cut. By the way, singing lead vocal on this record is uh, Dean Torrance of Jan and Dean. Uh, He doesn't get a credit on the album, but at the end of the song, you do hear Carl Wilson thanking him. Now, as I noted before, the song was recorded in the studio and it was mixed and the party sounds were added in later. I think that becomes pretty clear in the bridge. Uh, There's still a little goofing around, but clearly it's a cleaner sound overall. And I'm going to play a chunk for you without the party sounds in it. This comes from the album Hawthorne, California, which was released in 2001. Yeah, a oh, yeah. it, there's not much background chatter. You don't hear Hal Blaine banging ashtrays together, that sort of thing. So it's, it's a little bit different there. Anyway, the song was released shortly before Christmas of 1965. Another weird Christmas surprise for the band because they didn't want the song released at all as a single because they were trying to get some credibility as a serious band. But the radio stations were playing it right off the album, so Capitol Records released it as a single, and it went to number two on the Billboard Hot 100 for a couple of weeks in January and February of 1966, (laughs) blocked out of the top spot by the Beatles' We Can Work It Out and then Petula Clark's My Love. It also peaked at number three in the UK and was number one in Germany, Switzerland, and Norway. Now, there are two different endings to the record. The first one is the one that still gets all the radio play, where the song has a fade after the chorus. In fact, it happens right about here. But the original album version, which you only hear once, for, once in a while, it goes on for another minute. So we're going to pick up the song again at right about the point where the t- single typically fades out. By Now the, the song is gone, Bobberin, Bobberin, you got the like that ending, but I think it also gives away the fact that it's just a little bit more planned than you think it is. All right, here's one. I'm, I'm doing mostly this part in the interest of completeness, because I've always thought it was kind of dumb, even then. But, but 1980 was the year of the Iranian hostage crisis, and a parody version of Barbara Ann titled Bomb Iran was recorded by several parody artists, but the most popular version was by Vince Vance and the Valiants. Bomb, bom, 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 Iran. Bom, 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 bom. The record never charted because Vince Vance didn't get proper rights to the music, so it couldn't get distribution. Eventually, that got straightened out and the record was re-released, but by that point, the joke was over and it couldn't crack the Hot 100. In uh, 1987, the afternoon DJs on WGN Radio, Al and Ed, uh, decided that Chicago needed a new song for their Cubs radio broadcast. Well, they started goofing around with the idea and listeners started calling in with suggested lines and somehow Al Al and Ed got the Beach Boys who were playing in town and some of the Cubs to come in and actually record the tune. Here Come the Cubs became the team's official song for a while and it was used as the radio theme for a few years. Here come the cubs, 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 cubs. Here come the cubs. My heart fails. Here come the truth of Cubs! Here comes the cubs. And we're all in a reeling in the party feeling there. Cubs, cubs, cubs. she come All right, before I go, let me give you the answer to that trivia question. Back on page two, I asked you about a hit record from 1968. Where the artist credited on the label has no connection to the song at all. He didn't write it, he didn't arrange it, he didn't produce it, he didn't sing on it, and in fact he wasn't in the studio at all when he was, when it was recorded. The song is called The Horse, and the artist is Cliff Nobles. Here's the story. The Horse is actually the B-side of the record. Cliff Nobles sang on the A-side, a song that probably nobody remembers, titled Love is All Right, with music and lyrics by Jesse James. As with so many songs, nobody knew what to do with the B-side, so they took the instrumental track from the A-side and just put that on the B. Now, the instrumental portion had been laid down long before Nobles stepped into the studio, so he wasn't there for the recording. As was common in those days, the DJs decided, well, they liked the instrumental b-side better than the a-side with the vocals and the horse became an accidental b-side hit now it's possible you don't remember the song by either title so let me give you a clip of love is all right but listen closely to the instrumental track (laughs) Personally, I think that part of the problem is that the vocal gets a little bit lost in the sauce, but maybe that's just me. Wasn't that great, folks? Tell me what. Do you know sure did like ones? that. <laughs> I sure did. And that's it for this edition of How Good It Is. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter at HowGoodItIsPod. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash HowGoodItIsPod or you can check out the the show's website, HowGoodItIs.com, where you may find a few extra bits. Thanks as usual to Podcast Republic for featuring the show and next time around, We're going to find out how good it is to fly into the night by request. Yes, I do take requests. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you then.